Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Emotional Management, a weekly checkup from the neck up with Dr. Christian Conti, brought to you by Summit Psychology Services on KDKA Radio. What's up, everybody? I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is Emotional Management. I'm really excited for tonight. We got a great show for you. Um, I have a special guest I'm so excited to have on. So in the studio with me, Dr. Nishant Gandhi. He is a doctor at the uh, Pain and Spine Specialist. So he'll tell you all about that. But first, Dr. Gandhi, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot for having me on, Dr. Conti. Super excited to have you here. We are going to get into, I mean, this is emotional management. And as always, we want to hear from you. So we're going to have a discussion. We're going to go, we're going to talk a lot about pain. We're going to talk about pain and the emotions it brings up from anger to everything else, sadness, depression. But we're also going to talk about whatever you want to talk about. So give us a call, 1-866-391-1020, or you can email us in the Dollar Bank Instant Access at kdkaradio.com, or you can text us at 866-391-1020 on the right automotive text line. That's the best deal in Pittsburgh. So let's get to it. Listen, we want to hear from you, but I gotta, let's, let's start. Tell us a little bit about your background. So uh, I grew up in uh, Central PA, State College, um, went to uh, LECOM uh, in Erie for med school, moved here to Pittsburgh uh, for a couple of years uh, to do my clinical rotations at the hospitals here, um, and then moved to Baltimore uh, for training in anesthesiology um, with my wife, um, who's also a physician, moved to New York City, um, did a fellowship in critical care medicine there. Uh, and practice anesthesiology and critical care for several years. My wife and I loved New York, lived there, um, had our son, um, and then really personally felt I wanted a career change. Um, And so uh, did a fellowship in pain management um, at Mount Sinai Hospital um, in New York City, um, had my daughter, um, and then decided to kind of move back home. Um, You know, this is about two hours from my family. My wife's from Cleveland. I joined a great practice here, and I've been practicing here since the fall. That's awesome. You are, I mean, the kind of work that you're doing is helping people in ways that you don't even always recognize. Like I I often tell people, you don't even know what you're doing. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, in a positive way, we often don't realize the powerful impact that we have on people's lives, like on an everyday basis, when we're not even around them, Right. when we're thinking about the things and the ways that you've helped them or healed them, they're being grateful for that, even when you don't even realize it. Right, right. You know, uh, for me, one of the biggest, um, you know, powerful examples of that um, was actually living in New York. I worked at the Veterans Hospital there uh, in the Bronx for about three years doing anesthesiology. Um, You know, these are people that have, you know, basically made a huge sacrifice for our country. We owe everything we have to the sacrifice they made. Um, And, you know, they have free health care and they're very grateful for it. And to be, you know, privileged enough to be allowed to give them that care um, at, you know, basically their most vulnerable times, 
was a very big part of my you know uh, career there in New York. I think to me that's uh, as you say I agree with you wholeheartedly. That's the most honorable work you can do. Some of the most honorable work you can do working with veteran veterans who have given everything uh, to this country for us to be able to be here and have jobs. Exactly. Um, that's that's what's so amazing. So I, I love that you do that work and. Well, you know, this is emotional management, this show. Well, we, we get into, we, we will have callers tonight. We'll, we'll take emails. We'll take texts um, about emotions, about relationships, about situations that are going on that really impact them. And one of the key issues, and it's one of the great, I'm just so excited to have you here, is to get insight around is, for instance, pain and anger, like, and pain and emotions. Like, you right. see this all the time. It's, it's a huge part of the practice and a huge part of what I do every day. You know, people come to our practice and see myself or one of our other providers, um, you know, and they are bringing to the table um, a lot of issues, um, not just pain, right? Um, there's a significant amount of psychology um, and emotional issues that, that come along with that. Um, and I think you touched on a couple of them. Anger is a huge part of it. Um, they feel frustrated. They feel like they don't have a place to get help. Um, many of them are depressed. Um, they have anxiety. Um, and they feel judged uh, by people in their communities, um, you know, for, for needing help with pain. Um, and, and our model of practice is to, is to give them a place where they can be, you know, open and honest about their needs um, and feel like they're in a safe place. And I think that's something about our practice that is very unique um, and something that I've really embraced and, and taken to heart. I think that's, you know, it's evident uh, you, we've got a chance to start a friendship. And one of the great things that I love about you is your just the, how safe you make people feel. It's one of the things that I'm drawn to. It's one of the things that I love to give to others is a safe space. Like I always say, you don't have to come to my office for a safe space. I just want to be that safe space anytime we interact. I want you to know whoever it is. I want you to know that you're you can talk to me and I'm not going to judge you for what you're going through. We're human beings. We all go through stuff. My tagline, I don't know if you know this, but my tagline is there are two kinds of people in the world. There are people who have issues and dead people. So if you're alive, you have issues. <laughs> right, right. We, and we, we all have them, right? And so whether it's an interaction in an office with you know me as the doctor or the patient in front of me or an interaction at the grocery store or an interaction while we're driving along the street, right? There's We, we all have things in common. We all have things that we're bringing to the table. Um, some of them are in our control. Most of them are actually not in our control, right? Our, Right. The only thing we have control over is our reaction to outside circumstance, right? And so there's no way by looking at somebody through your eyes you can tell what they're going through. Um, and so you know, part of being human is appreciating that they're bringing something to it just as you are, and they have difficulties that you might not know anything about. And so to give people the benefit of the doubt, and I try to bring that attitude to my practice. Well, so in this show tonight, we're going to give kind of – listeners out there a perspective on what they can do so right now if you're listening we're going to give you a perspective tonight on what you can do so that you can operate in a world where people are going to say different things do different things be different ways from you and you can still find peace and that's key we don't have to wait until everything lines up and everything is similar now along that way there are going to be times when you struggle there are going to be times when you are just don't know how to handle a specific situation and if that's the case tonight we're going to help you out the number is 866-391-1020 or you can email us on the dollar bank instant access at kdkaradio.com or you can text us at 866-391 one ten twenty on the right automotive text line. Look, 
a lot of times people will say, I want to call in so badly, but I'm afraid to call in because I don't, you know, I'm nervous about it. But what I would like you to know is Dr. Gandhi is phenomenal. You know, I'm not going to judge you. We would love to hear from you uh, to talk about this dialogue, the, the relationship between pain and anger, the pain and emotions. We're going to do it all here tonight on emotional management. In the studio with me, Dr. Gandhi, I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is Emotional Management on KDKA Radio. Here we go. This is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. I love when that music kicks on. I always feel like I should have some sort of, uh, I don't know, ability to sing or do music or something to really bring bring the audience in. I don't, I don't have that ability either, man. No, that is, that is not my strength. I'm so excited. Tonight, I'm, I'm being joined... Uh, by Dr. Nishant Gandhi. He is a pain and spine specialist. He's working at the Pain and Sp- uh, Spine Clinic of Pennsylvania. Um, joining me in the studio. So I'm so I'm so thankful for you to actually come in and spend the night with me. Yeah, man. I, I'm, it's uh, great to be here. We are we are going to uh, we're going to take your calls. We're going to take your texts. We're going to take your emails. We already have a couple texts to get to. Um, but the number is eight six six three nine one ten twenty. And then again, you can always email on the dollar bank instant access at kdkradio.com or text us at 866-391-1020 as well. So we were before the break, we were talking about, um, you know, all the things that could be, uh, we can't control the things that happen to us, right? But we can control the things that happen, the way we respond to the things that happen right. to us. And one of the things that happens to us and we don't choose it is pain. Right. Um, you know, it, and that is such an almost inevitable fact of life for for most people is you know some sort of pain at some point in their life whether you know it's an acute injury from sports or from you know some sort of surgical emergency um, to a more chronic thing like back pain neck pain um, things of that nature um, and you know that's those are the patients that I see right people that have been dealing with something for often a lot longer than they should have been um, a lot of times you know people just deal with it and don't bring it to anybody's attention or maybe see a physician that isn't capable of handling it. Um, and so a lot of times by the time they get to our door, right, it isn't just pain now. It's it's pain with anger, frustration, um, you know, uh, sadness, depression, uh, anxiety, all mixed up in it, right? So we're coming in and we're kind of teasing these things apart when they come in as a new patient. And part of that, part of my job is to figure out, you know, what parts I can help with and what parts they may need outside help with. See, and that's uh, there's something called the scale of consciousness. The scale of consciousness says, and for for if you're new to the show, the, the idea of consciousness, it, it's a fancy way of saying awareness. There are levels of awareness, and one of the lowest levels of awareness is shame. When people live in shame, they act out of shame. So I specialize in working with people convicted of violent crimes. I have seen people do this for my whole career. You know, they feel like they're no good. They're not worth anything. So then, why not go out and hurt someone else? Above shame is depression. It's it's if you've ever struggled with depression, you understand it's an awful feeling. The chemicals, what's driving you inside, the sadness, the heaviness that comes with it. Above uh, d- depression is anxiety, the awful feeling with the cortisol, excess cortisol, adrenaline. Oh, it feels so bad. Now above that is anger. Now think about that. We would rather be angry than struggling in shame, depression, or anxiety. And I would add on the physical, on the physiological level, easy for me to say, pain. Right. Um, And so many people, 
that we see come in with all of those layers, right? And and so, you know, an appropriate evaluation for me or one of my providers, right, is trying to figure out, you know, how much of those layers they're bringing in and, and again, creating that safe space where they can express those feelings of shame and anger um, and depression and anxiety and know that although a lot of the work in those areas is not something that we can help with directly in our office medically, but that we understand, right? That we right. understand that it's not just the physical symptom that you're bringing to us, but rather it's the combination of all those things. And if we can you know, develop a relationship with that patient where they feel they can at least talk about those feelings and feel that we're listening, um, you know, they can be on the road to getting better even with their pain. I think that's such an incredible strength of yours personally, um, when people feel comfortable enough to be able to open up and say all that's going on. So out there right now, I can imagine there are listeners who are saying, man, I'm in pain and I'm lashing out at people and I don't like it. I don't like the feeling when I lash out at my husband or wife. I don't like the feeling when I lash out at my children, um, but I feel like I can't help it. And it's because that, that pain eats away at them. And, and it's just so awful. Like when you lash out, you think about the endorphins that rush in, like your, your endorphins, the endorphins are that feel good chemical that when you, in the middle of the night, you step on a child's toy and you're like, ah, oh, it hurts so badly. Right. But if you just got done working out and you had right. those endorphins, you step on the same toy, it's not that big of a deal. It, it's fine. Right. And so that's, you know, part of the process, you know, I can't count how many times people come into the office with a spouse or a significant other. Right. And, you know, you hear from, you know, the other person in the room saying, well, he's He's been a real jerk lately, right? And 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 a lot of it's because of the pain he's dealing with, um, and, and so on and so forth. And then, you know, after an intervention, um, uh, you see them again. They're like, oh wow, he's sleeping better at night. You know, he's not, you know, yelling at the kids as much. You know, he was out in the backyard, you know, doing all the stuff that he was supposed to be doing before all this. Um, you know, he's helping with the dishes, whatever the case may be. And so, when patients tell me those stories, I, I usually stop them and say, look, this is the stuff that I want to hear. You know, everybody focuses on, you know, what's your pain scale from zero to 10. You know, those numbers are important. I want to hear the life stuff. I want to hear about the stuff that you can't do. I want to hear about your relationships with people. I want to hear about uh, what, what what version of yourself you're bringing to the table every day. And can we work on getting that better? If I can do an intervention and make your life better, um, and you're bringing your a better version of yourself to the table every morning, you know, then I've succeeded as a physician. Well, I think this is one of the things that impresses me with your vision is that people are whole people. You're not just a person who you, is one. It's not linear. You're not just have one area of pain and that's it. It's, it's, it's uh, a circular causation. It's all over it's, And like you said, if someone's not sleeping well, just think about that. If you're out there and you're thinking, man, I have not slept well and I'm agitated and I'm irritable and I just, I right. just don't feel like myself. Right. It's because neuro uh, physiologically you're not yourself when you don't get rest. Right. You're definitely not. And, and you know, honestly, sleep is a huge part of it, right? Sleep is restorative. Uh, sleep allows us to be productive during the day. Um, and you know, lack of sleep, causes increased pain, honestly. Um, and so we focus on that discussion also. You know, we don't prescribe sleep medications, but we encourage restful sleep um, and we try to get people's pain better so they can sleep. Um, and so that's a that's a huge part of what we do. So, and you, let's talk about just briefly, I, you mentioned you're, you've been married, your wife is a doctor as well. So you've been married, you've been married 11 years? Yeah, t 10 years, uh, it'll be 11 years uh, coming up here uh, in May. Awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, it's a uh, it's it's a lot of work. It's it's a uh, it's work every day. Um, and with two kids at home, um, it's uh, every day uh, coming home from work is like coming home to another job. Um, but I have a great teammate. And I think that's, uh, you know, uh, for me, the most rewarding part of the process, um, you know, being a father uh, and a husband.
So uh, my wife and I made a video on my uh, YouTube channel, how to stay, how to have a long-term successful relationship, something like that. And a young person wrote in, um, well, I'm not going to have, uh, you don't have to worry about this because my partner and I, we're never going to get into any. I'm like, okay, that's great. That's a, right. That's a wonderful like, thing. That's like, that's, like the, the, that's like the honeymoon period, right? right. You, know, uh, you know, my wife and I started dating when we were in medical school and that first six months to a year, right? Everything's magical, right? And then, right. then you have your first fight and you figure out, okay, well, we're going to figure this out. And then it goes on. And you realize that honestly, marriage, right, for this long, and you know, we've been together for almost 15 years and married for almost 11, right? It's, it's a, it's a work in progress every day. You grow together as a human being, right? You've decided to spend your life with this person, and you, you work on things together, and you, you change as people, right? And, and there's, there's personal growth, and there's growth, uh, you know, as a couple, and then ultimately you have children, and there's growth as parents, right? And so, um, you want to have a good teammate to do that with. I so I, I we wholeheartedly I know my wife would agree with this as well. Anytime the the phrase um, it's work, it's not a negative thing to me. That's a very positive thing. Of course, you want to work. You want to put effort into your relationship. You want to put work into your relationship, and then you're going to get good results from it. Right. It's like you know. I mean, admittedly, I haven't been in the gym all that much recently, but it's like working out in the gym, right? You know, you you put that work in there. And you see results. It's the same thing, you know, in a marriage and a relationship. And frankly, right, that those feelings can be extrapolated to any relationship with any other human being, right? You know, you meet somebody, it's great, and then you have to work on that friendship relationship to make it grow into something even bigger. So, and it's, uh, and we're again, we're going to get into everything tonight. Uh, it's just, it's, I have a lot of fun just talking with you. I didn't plan to bring this up, but one of the things I would do in when I had couples in couples therapy is on the very first week. I wouldn't ask each of them, what's one thing you can do this week to, you know, make a step toward doing something that would be helpful for the, for your spouse, for your, for your partner. And as inevitably coming back the next week, people be like, man, this is working. Well, because you spent a week where you actually tried to do something where you actually focused on your partner and, and realized that you're not the only one in this relationship. Right. And I think, you know, it, that is, I, I try these days at least to, to look at every day that way. Like what, what can I do for, for my wife? Right. And so, you know, sometimes it's emptying the dishwasher. Sometimes it's doing the laundry. Sometimes it's cleaning the bathrooms, right? There, there's chores around the house to be done. Sometimes it's taking things on my plate, you know, for example, figuring out where a kid's going to go to school next year, right? You know, uh, there's ownership of life tasks and daily tasks that come up. And when you put th the foot forward to say, I'm going to do this stuff, that's the growth I'm talking about. Yes. That's the growth you're talking about. Yes, right. exactly. That's it. And uh, what's neat is to be able to see, uh, I think for a lot of people out there, to see behind the scenes, to see as a physician, you're a human being and you are right. going through the same stuff we're all going through. That's why we say, you know, that's why I always say there are two kinds of people, but we are all going through this stuff all the time. And we, we have so much, so much to get to, um, tonight, which I'm really stoked. I think we're going to hit this in so many different ways. Um, we definitely will get to some emails and texts coming up, but would love to hear from you. So the number is 866-391-1020. And again, you can email on the dollar bank instant access at kdkaradio.com, or you can text us at 866-391-1020. On the right automotive text line, that's the best deal in Pittsburgh. We're in the studio with Dr. Nishant Gandhi, a pain and spine specialist. By the way, they can get a hold of you at uh, uh, www.passmd.com. We got so much more to get to. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is Emotional Management on KDKA Radio. This is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. 
In the studio with me tonight, Dr. Gandhi, he is a specialist in pain and spine. You're a specialist in pain. Like you really help people deal with pain. And I'm so grateful for you to come in the show tonight. We have a question on the uh, the um, Dollar Bank Instant Access and the email, and it says, Hi, Dr. Conti, my name is Amber, and I am 43 years old. I have dealt with chronic back pain for 10 years following a car accident. My doctors have prescribed many prescriptions throughout the years, and I have developed an opioid addiction. I now have pain and an addiction issue. I have a tremendous amount of anger around the fact that I still have chronic pain and an addiction issue. I feel helpless. Please help. Amber, thank you so much for your question. Um, I think that is a, a powerful question, and I also believe that it is um, very reasonable. I can definitely, I feel, I feel you. I can, I, I can almost feel you as you, as you write that. Right, and you know, a lot of patients that we have um, kind of do have you know multiple issues here, and uh, um, I think one of the things that Amber is touching on is you know this word addiction, um, and I think it's important to just you know quickly talk about you know what that word means and and how it differs from other words that we use, especially when it comes to prescription pain medication like opioids, which you know we do use in our practice and we do find beneficial for certain patients, um, you know. Addiction is a, is a much bigger thing than just, you know, usage of opioid medications or other other drugs or substances like alcohol, you know. Um, addiction kind of implies, um, you know, a, a use uh, of a medication for an inappropriate purpose um, and also continued use, you know, of that medication in the face of negative consequences. So, for example, somebody, you know, drinks and drives uh, once, maybe that's a mistake. You drink and drive twice, you're probably an alcoholic, right? right. And that that's the way we look at it. Um, you know, I think... The word addiction gets used very loosely when it comes to opioids, and I think what we have to focus on is that, you know, for many people, um, you know, without knowing Amber, I don't know specifically what her issue is, but, but you know, it may be, you know, uh, a, a dependence issue. And, and dependence is a lot different, uh, different than addiction, right? Dependence means you need that medication to function, right? It's very similar to somebody, for example, who had their thyroid removed that may need thyroid uh, medication um, in order to stay alive. Obviously, opioids, you know, in this circumstance aren't necessarily used to keep you alive, but they are something that you're dependent on to function in a way that, you know, allows you to, to live a life, you know, that, that's better than one without them. Um, and so patients that have a dependence problem and also have pain are, is very common. And so it's very easy to see why that may, might make somebody angry and frustrated, right? Those are very valid emotions that somebody, you know, might have in the face of, you know, these issues. Um, and so, you know... The, the challenge as a pain management doctor is to kind of say, well, what are other ways we can help a patient like this? You know, if she truly has addiction, that means that she probably can't safely take opioid medication, right? And so there are a lot of other things that we do in our practice um, that can help. We have a lot of non-opioid therapies, right? Um, obviously, things like physical therapy, chiropractic care, acupuncture can all be done. Um, we do a lot of uh, um, injections uh, with, uh, you know, the help of x-ray, spinal injections, things like that, that can help patients like this also. Um, and then a lot of, you know, mental techniques that we don't do in our practice, but I encourage patients to do things like meditation, practicing mindfulness, um, you know, prayer, things like that, that can also help. So there are a lot of uh, options for somebody like Amber, um, you know, uh, that we can provide in our practice and we can refer her to to get help with. And I love that. And uh, Amber, what I would say as well, too, like with those emotions that are coming around, 
I always want to suggest uh, counseling. I always want to suggest that you get that support. I think it's so important to go sit down and talk to somebody when uh, around the emotional aspect and say, hey, this is how I feel. This is what's going on. Sometimes we can feel helpless and we feel, and when I, when I, when I see that, I literally you're saying, I feel helpless. My heart goes out to you and I think, okay, well, if this is how you're feeling, then sitting down with the professional and saying, listen, I feel helpless. I don't know where to go. Sometimes they'll help you see that you're probably taking steps that you don't even realize. For instance, for years, I would tell people when they'd say, I don't know where to begin. I'd say, you're already sitting in my office. So you've already begun. Exactly. So you've already sent an email. So you're, you've already taken a step. So now it's the next step. Cause the first step's the hardest. And you already hit that Amber by sending us an, a, a question like this. So now it's the next step. What do you do next? And as Dr. Gandhi says, there's, there are so many different, um, approaches and so many different aspects or avenues to take to this. I think that opioids get vilified and we live in a very much, we live in a time where people go from one extreme to the other. So if you want the fancy term for that, Carl Jung called it in antiadromia, which is you go from one extreme to the other. Um, unfortunately, or, or if you're, if you're a frequent listener to the show, you understand that, you know, that I'm about balance. Like, I don't think it's one extreme or the other. I think there's a balance and certainly uh, for people who are struggling in pain, opioids can be very helpful. Of course, there are people who, uh, you know, struggle with that and can't find that balance. But that doesn't mean that they're wrong and bad in and of themselves. Right. And and I think that that in between is where I strive to practice and where our practice kind of focuses. Right. You know, it's uh, it's gone from one extreme to the other. 20, 30 years ago, um, you know, opioids were used very heavily in very high doses with very, very minimal, you know, concern from the physicians or providers in terms of, you know, what this long-term effects are going to be on a patient. And now, you know, a lot of that, pharmaceutical companies, insurance companies, physicians, patients, all of it has led us to a place where, you know, we're in a, you know, an opioid crisis, really. Um, And so now the pendulum is swung the other way, as you described. Um, and so now we're, we're, we're fighting that. Um, and so the, 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 the true place is probably in between, right, where, you know, uh, patients that need, you know, low to moderate dose opioids can get them in a safe place, but also are doing other things that make themselves better, right? It's, it's a very holistic um, care that we provide where it's some of it is medication based, um, some of it is uh, intervention based, some of it, as you mentioned, um, is, is psychology based. We send a lot of patients to a psychologist, uh, you know, for a place to talk and to be open about their, you know, emotions behind the pain, Um, you know, and some of it is physical therapy, chiropractic, acupuncture. There's a lot of places to go. uh, And if you hit it from all the angles, I find that, um, you know, patients get the most effective care. I I believe it. And speaking of talking it out, let's go to the phone lines. And uh, Bob, you're on uh, KDK Radio. Oh, thank you so much. I am one of them opioid patients. And I I'm going to try to make it as brief as I can because I know we have a limited time. I've used opioids on and off for 20 years. I've had well over 25 surgeries. I've had every other type of treatment you could think of, spinal injections, TENS units, uh, chiropractic, you name it. The only thing that can shake off my rust in the morning to get me going to break the pain is an opioid such as uh, Vicodin. Okay. And yet... I've been in three different pain clinics, and after a year, because my level was like up at eight or nine, and it only goes down to five or six, they say, after a year, well, you haven't gotten any lower than five or six, they toss me out. Mm. And it's, 
and I and I understand this, good doctor. What what you're saying? There are very very legitimate cases, and I think I'm one of them that has to have that small amount to make me function like a human being. I I you know uh, thank you for calling. I, I I don't disagree with you at all. Uh, in fact, I agree with you. I have a lot of patients that are like you that have been through you know essentially every possible intervention, every different medication, they've tried everything, they've really made it clear that they want to get better. Um, and, you know, the only thing they've found after all of this, you know, all of these interventions, including surgery, which you mentioned, um, is is an opioid. And I think that in that circumstance, I don't I don't think it's inappropriate at all, right? And the, the key is to keep the dosages reasonable um, and uh, and to monitor the patient, you know, for, for signs of increase in tolerance to make sure they're not having side effects of those medications like constipation, nausea, or things like that, um, but I think that's very reasonable. You know, I, I, it's it's sad that you've been you know thrown out of practices. You know, for not having your pain score low enough. I would consider a, a reduction in pain from eight and nine to five a, a tremendous success. Um, and yeah, I think so. most patients like yourself um, are happy with that. They say, well, you know, thirty to forty percent reduction in my pain is is tremendous for me. The five means that I can get out of bed and mow the lawn, uh, or I can shovel the snow, yeah, yeah. or I can you know be be around uh, and help my wife with things, or you know play with my grandkids or whatever the case may be, you know, I look for those successes, right? And for me, it's all about, it isn't even about the number, it's about, well, what can you do with that reduction, right? We're giving you a little bit of Viking yeah. in the morning. What are the things that you were able to do now with your life? Were you able to take that trip to Florida? Did you go on that cruise? Did you go on that ski trip? You know, uh, you know, did you get to your granddaughter's wedding? Those are the things that I'm looking yeah. for. You are hitting it exactly on the mark for my situation. And what I can also add to this is that so-called euphoric reaction that people have, well, that does go away unless you increase the dose. And I was never looking to get that, but I still found that it did control my pain, and that's what I was after, and that made me live a better life. I'm so glad to hear it. I am too. Bob, thank you so much for calling. Thank um, you. Definitely um, appreciate definitely your call. Definitely appreciate your call. Um, so, listen, this is why this is, this is why Dr. Gandhi's on. This is awesome. This is great stuff. 866-391-1020 is the number. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is Emotional Management on KDK Radio. You're listening to Emotional Management with Dr. Christian Conti on KDKA Radio. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Christian Conti in the studio with me, Dr. Nishant Gandhi. I'm so excited to have you here. Powerful caller and email um, that we just got to talk about. Um, and we were saying just at the break, like being able to like, honestly, Bob, to know that you're struggling in that way. Um, I hope that you, you got some hope from Dr. Gandhi just hearing him. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, the, the email and the caller are, you know, that's a large proportion of my practice. I would say people coming in with those emotions and those feelings, um, having been through a lot, honestly. And I think that's, you know, respecting what people have been through with their bodies and their experiences is, uh, is tremendous for me, right? Because that enables me to look at them as a human being and say, okay, well, this person is coming here having you know, been through all of this with their back or their neck or their hip or their shoulder or whatever, whatever's hurting the most. And then, you know, just connecting with them for just a minute and, and giving them a little bit of hope saying, well, look, I don't have any magic here. I don't have a magic pill, right? But what I can do is give you a place where you can talk to me about your concerns. I can look you in the eye and listen to you. Um, you can believe that I want to try to make you feel better um, and know that I'm going to do my best, you know, with 
all of my training and my experience to, to go that direction. Well, I, and you he either he mentioned it or we talked about that uh, reduction in uh, pain score, and it's so. Anytime it's subjective. So I've done this in psychology and counseling for 20 years. Like people come in, I ask them to give me a, where you are in the scale. And I remember when I very first started, I had a client and I asked him, um, so where, where are you in regard to, I, I don't remember exactly what it was. This was 20 years ago. Um, and I had just started out and let's say he was struggling with anxiety. I said, so where are you in this? And he said, um, a five. And I'm like, well, where would you like to get to? And he was like, 5.3. And I was just like, oh, like he was thinking on a decimal level, like right, that right. wasn't the level like I was. So, so one of the questions I learned early in my career was to ask people, what does that mean to you? Whether it, cause you're, cause that's the, that's where miscommunications can occur if you don't understand what that means to that person. Exactly. And I think that is a large part of it. You know, uh, you know, I do, obviously we get pain scores on every patient whenever they come in on new patients, every follow up visit, we write it down. To be honest, except for the new patients where I'm trying to, you know, develop some sort of sense of, you know, expectation management with the patient, I, I rarely look at that number, right? M most patients that come to my office have been through a lot already. They've tried different medications. They've tried a lot of interventions. Um, and so for me, it's uh, in the beginning just saying, well, okay, your pain's an eight today. Look, I'm not going to be able to get you to a zero. Almost universally, Dr. Conti, the, the response is, I'm not looking to get to zero, man. You know, I, I just want to get to a five, right? right. And, and I look it back and say, well, I think that's something we can work towards. Right. And then after that, I don't even look at the score. Then it's for me, like I've said before, it's about the anecdotes of life, right? I want to hear, well, what are the things you can't do that you want to do? Some people want to go to work, right? That's all they want to do is just, just be able to get up in the morning and go to work. Some people want to be able to brush their hair. Their shoulders been so bad they can't do that, right? Some people want to bend over and pick up the stuff on the ground that, that their kid dropped, right? Those are very simple things. And so for me, it's all about writing those things down, remembering those things and being able to, you know, have the ability to help people with this normal everyday life. So I recently addressed a question about panic disorder and uh, the person was who wrote into me uh, was asking, saying, um, this was from my, uh, based off my YouTube channel. So I do these, I do different videos on my YouTube channel. So someone had reached out saying I have panic disorder and I don't feel like that'll ever go away. And what I said was, almost like I love that you just said that because I kind of this is really validating to hear in different fields how it's similar I said it, it you may always have a sense and, and it's okay to have a, maybe a sense of anxiety maybe there's something going on maybe maybe we'll, we'll, you can we'll talk about that but that doesn't mean that that's just going to necessarily disappear the moment you start to say it's okay, you take away that next level of anxiety. Because one of the things that happens with panic disorder is you say, oh, no, I can't feel like this. Oh, no, this is awful. Oh, no, oh, no. And then there's something wrong with me. Now, all of that adds extra self-talk that drives more cortisol, more adrenaline. Whereas the moment you give that relief to say, you know what? It's okay to have some level of that. It's okay. They start to come down. That all drops down. And I think that, you know, really kind of you know, explains the difference here. All pain is not created equal, right? The emotional response that you're talking about, right, is the highest with, with acute pain, right? Everybody, most people that are listening have, have probably felt some degree of acute pain, whether you stub your toe or you smacked your hand in the door of the car, or whatever the case may be, and we may be able to rate those things on a scale of zero to 10, right? Chronic pain is completely different, right? Chronic pain patients already have, you know, physiologically accepted 
you know, their their bodies have accepted, right? The body is very resilient and put through the same, you know, rigors of pain every day, the body doesn't manifest that emotional response as much. Um, and so people with chronic pain can live with these five, sevens, nines every day. It's no different than somebody with acute pain. They just don't have, they do have a level of acceptance with that, right? And that's what we see every day in the office. Yeah, I think for, if you're struggling with pain, if you're struggling in your relationships in any way, if you want to talk, you want to uh, get on the, get a, talk to us. The number is 866-391-1020. But in any of these issues, whatever you're going through, the one common factor is you're human. You're human and you have your unique experience of life. So whatever your emotions mean to you, that's what matters. And I, I ran into someone who said, listen, I hate when people say my truth. It's it's not. There's just one truth, and I say I, I respectfully disagree with that, or at least that's your truth. You know that there's one there's one uh, resounding truth. Each human being. So I do this analogy of the box. So for instance, it, it, when my daughter was young, I, I taught her taught her about religion through a box. Like I had her like I hid things on different sides of the box, and I've gone over this on this show before, where if you saw one side of the box, you simultaneously couldn't see something on the other side of the box, and so that might be true to you that might be what you see and you it might be very well truth to you but that doesn't necessarily tell the whole story of the entire box and then i liken the box to the human psyche because we'll never be able to see what people's thoughts are right we might be able to see activity we can take brain scans we can see some activity but we'll never truly understand exactly what those thoughts are that's a subjective experience completely subjective and i think right I accepting that other people have a different truth other people based on their genetic makeup their life experience you know the trials and tribulations of what they have gone through every day and what they continue to go through every day um, accepting that those experiences form that person and that being is different than yours and may see things different than you is essential to to what i do as a doctor right i i can't say i don't live with chronic pain uh, i don't have you know uh, I'm fortunate to not have that problem, right? But understanding that other people do and other people have gone through things to put them there um, on an emotional human level is what makes my job rewarding and what makes it so that I can do my job every day. Yeah, I think to be, I think I feel like it's uh, almost like a superpower for me. Like the, the, I don't judge people and I recognize that everyone's experience is unique. Whatever you're going through, you're going through it. Um, who am I to say what you're going through? I can't possibly, I, I developed this uh, theory called yield theory. Super excited. My book's coming out this summer about it called walking through anger. Uh, with Sounds True Publishing. I'll be so excited when this comes out because this really is what I've been, I, I spent my entire career developing. Um, but it's about seeing the world through other people's perspectives and really trying to see the world through their eyes. That That's the only way that I can practice as a physician, right, is to come in every day with that attitude saying, well, I'm going to see this many patients today. Everyone's going to bring their own being in and their own views and their own truths um, and trying to see the world through their eyes, see what, you know, the pain they're experiencing through their experience, right? It's, uh, you know, my knowledge and my training uh, and my experience help me come up with plans to help them with those things. But unless I'm able to internalize and, you know, uh, get a good grasp of what they're bringing to the table, um, I wouldn't be able to do what I do. I love it. I love your perspective. Dr. Nishant Gandhi, It's he's got offices in Bridgeville, Connorsville, Greensburg, Washington. The website is www.passmd.com. 
And uh, the number there is 724-603-3560. I'm just so grateful to have you on. This is such a powerful topic, talking about pain, emotions, all of this. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is Emotional Management on KDKA Radio. This is Emotional Management, a weekly checkup from the neck up with Dr. Christian Conti, brought to you by Summit Psychology Services on KDKA Radio. This is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. Joining me in the studio tonight, Dr. Nishant Gandhi, pain and spine specialist. Uh, Listen, I'm really excited because to be able to be surrounded by colleagues and friends who are experts and are able, I mean, you specialize in dealing with people in pain. You see it all the time. And one of the blessings and why, why I'm so grateful you and I are connected is the non-judgment. Like I what's one of the great strengths. I know our listeners can hear it in your voice, having compassion, recognizing people are going through something Unfortunately, it seems to be a rare commodity these days. I, I, I would agree. And I think that, you know, um, in the medical community, especially when, when, you know, when it comes to pain, um, you know, and like, like I alluded to before, we discussed before, right, the opioid crisis, right, there's a tremendous amount of judgment that comes across towards patients that, you know, need medication to get through their day. Um, you know, at our practice, you know, we've kind of, you know, formulated a way of dealing with patients from, you know, the front desk staff to the medical assistants to, you know, the physicians, uh, nurse practitioners, physicians assistants that see the patients um, all the way to the checkout, right, where we give people a smile, where we, you know, say hello to people. We treat people like the human beings that they are, right? We answer the phone, you know, how can we enhance your quality of living today? That's how we answer the phone at our practice, right? Because it is about that, right? It's not about, oh, you know, writing medications for people. It's about what can we do to make your life better? So it's it's the holistic piece. That's what resonates so uh, profoundly with me because we are holistic beings. We are mind, body, spirit beings, and we need to take care of all those aspects. And let's if someone comes to me and says they're really upset, they're really angry. Okay, so we're going to talk about anger. We'll talk about the things that might be driving that anger. But I'm going to ask what else you're doing. What else could be contributing to it? For 20 years, right. I've been doing this. Like, okay, are you also talking to a medical doctor? Have you, have you, are you working out? Are you, you know, are you taking care of all the aspects of who you are? Right. And I think that kind of holistic aspect is part of it, right? When we see patients both, you know, for the first time and also as follow-up, right? We obviously are talking about medications. We're talking about interventions that we can provide, but we're also asking about things that they're doing outside, right? Their activity level, are they going to physical therapy? You know, are they eating right? Are they sleeping well? Because that makes us into the holistic being. A lot of those things, you know, are out of our medical practices control, but by having those discussions with patients, right, you put it in their head that there is more to this. They will have to do some things and bring some things to the table also, and they can find help for those things if they need help. Why do you think, and I'm going to answer this with you, why do you think there is a stigma around pain? Like if people are in pain, why is that a stigma? It, 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 it shouldn't be. I, you know, it, I think a lot of it is, 
you know, because of, you know, the, the crisis that we're in, right? You know, they're like, like we talked about the pendulum, right? So now anybody that needs, you know, a medication to get through the day is now looked at as, you know, an, an addict or looked at as somebody who is weaker, right? And, and, and for some reason, right, and this may even go back to before all of this, right, pain is perceived as weakness. The reality is that pain is a physiologic process, right? Pain, pain is part of life for everybody, right? Yes. Um, in, either in a small or large amount, right? And so, by removing that stigma, right, and, and looking at it as a physiologic process and, and a real aspect of life for people, right, we're able to get to the root of the problem, right, and able to diagnose people appropriately and treat them. Well, how about, and people have come, and I know I've experienced this before, I know you've, we talked about this off uh, the air, that you experienced this too, where people come and say, well, it's all in your head, it's all in your head. And I think we both kind of agree. Yep, but that doesn't mean it's not in your. I mean, your right. pain sensors are in your head. Like your <laughs> everything's in your head, right? Your your perception of the world around you, right? All of your senses are are in your head, right? So I think that's a very you know you know people ask about you know perhaps some of the more unproven things you know uh, Reiki or you know acupuncture and some patients bring that and say, well, doc, what do you think about this? And I say, look, if you think it's helping you you should do it, right? Just because there may or may not be robust medical data on this particular modality doesn't mean that it's not gonna work for you. If, if you're getting benefit out of it, if it's helping you, you should go, right? So, so I, I love that, uh, bringing that up, because I talked to, I was speaking in uh, Harrisburg uh, two weeks ago, and someone came up to me and said, what is your thought on some of these studies? And I said, listen, I, I love that question. First of all, I would love, I love, if we can get data, if we can get analysis on something, that's wonderful. Unfortunately, the reality is I also know people who are researchers who have skewed their data to get what they want out of it. So I don't put all of my uh, all of my eggs in that basket, but I also don't discount it. See, this is the challenge. People go from that one extreme to the other, back to that big old fancy enantiodromia, where we go from one extreme to the other. I'm not saying that all studies are bad and wrong or that all studies are perfect. I'm saying we want to take in as much information as we can and then help make the best decision for ourselves. And that's why I love when you said that, whether or not if it's working for you, then it's working for you. Right. It absolutely. And so both of us as professionals who work in, in healthcare and dealing with people, right, we understand that, you know, data comes with its own problems, right? It's not it's not a panacea, right? You can't rely on data to guide everything you do as as a clinician. You have to use your own experience also, right? Evidence based medicine is the right road to be taking. And we look for studies to guide our treatments, but we also have to put our personal experience behind all of that. And most importantly, put the patient in front of it also. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So my first ex- one of my first experiences in uh, media, um, I had I was about thirty years old. I had I just got my PhD, and I was on a telev- uh, a news segment. Uh, we were out. We lived out west, and uh, the announcer, though the the host, asked me closed ended questions. So one of the questions she asked me was, she said, "Well." They say that it takes uh, six weeks to change a habit, but my friend and I, we changed our habit in two weeks. So was that possible? And, and I said, well, you did it. So <laughs> Exactly, right? You know, even what somebody else has done may not be your journey, right? You know, when you look at what other people have been able to achieve in a certain amount of time, doesn't mean you can't do it quicker. And actually, more importantly, it might take you longer, right? And I think that's the other part of it. There's no right or wrong way with it, right? Somebody with a certain amount of pain might get better after a couple of interventions and a small pill. Other people might need a completely different intervention to make them better, right? There's no judging it. Patients often ask that, well, how long is this going to last for, this procedure that you're doing? The answer is, I don't know, yeah. right? You know, you know, I have data to show that people can get a few weeks, a few months out of this treatment, but your body's different, right? Your MRI 
MRI may show this, I'm not treating an MRI, I'm treating a human being. Mm. And so we have to have a dialogue here where we talk about what's helping, and then if not, switch gears and try something else. Well, and the, what uh, your approach, why, why I think it's so appealing is it involves your patients. So you're saying to them, like, give me feedback, let me know what's going on inside of you, tell me your, tell me aspects that are going on in your life, this is so valuable, it's so rare. I feel so fortunate to have you on the show tonight. I really hope that if you're listening and you're struggling with pain in any way, that you reach out to Dr. Gandhi. One way to find him is on the web at www.passmd.com. He's got offices in Bridgeville, Connorsville, Greensburg, Washington, the pain and spine specialists. Um, I definitely hope that you can find him because this is, look, I think you're a gift. If you want to talk to us, there's plenty of time. The number is 866-391-1020. This is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti on KDKA Radio. This is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. In studio with me is Dr. Nashant Gandhi. He's awesome. He's a medical doctor who specializes in pain. And so I'm going to go right to a uh, text from the Wright Automotive text line. It says, Dr. Conti, I would like to hear Dr. Gandhi's opinion on CBD oil for pain management. And will his practice offer this as it becomes legal? So, um, it, you know, CBD oil can definitely work for patients. Um, you know, it's important to, to make the distinction between, you know, the CBD oil that you can find, you know, in the health food store, GNC or online, um, and the CBD oil that's kind of part of a medical marijuana program. Uh, CBD oil that you can, you know, get yourself without a prescription or without a doctor's recommendation um, is mostly derived from hemp. And although some patients have found some benefit with it, uh, the, the better data is actually on, you know, the, the, the extract from the marijuana plant itself. Um, and in Pennsylvania, um, it is legal for medical prescribing. Um, our office does not, uh, you know, uh, prescribe it at this time. We probably will in the future. Um, you know, there are a lot of places in the, in the surrounding counties, Allegheny County, Beaver County, Washington County, Fayette County, uh, Westmoreland County, that, that do provide that service. Really, you visit with a physician, you pay a fee, you register on the state website, you get a marijuana card, and then you go to a dispensary. And there's dozens of dispensaries throughout the area that provide that for people. Um, I do think that it is beneficial for pain. I think that um, a lot of patients have been able to reduce or eliminate their opioids uh, with medical marijuana. There are a lot of formulations available, um, some that are stronger for sleep at night, some that are like not as strong for you to be able to function during the day. You work with a pharmacist at the dispensary. Um, it is cash. Unfortunately, insurance doesn't cover it, um, but I do think it's beneficial and for the right patient, it can be very helpful. That's uh, such such great information, and you know it's interesting because um, it was, uh, when I told somebody I was going to have you on the show tonight, they said, "Well, he's a medical doctor." I said, "Listen, do you understand that pain in emotions? This is emotional management. This is how we're managing our emotions." You alluded to it uh, right now, but then we talked about it earlier about sleep. Sleep impacts you. So if you're struggling in pain and you can't sleep, you wake up the next morning, you're probably going to be agitated, irritable. You're probably going to get in quick fights. Probably going to be hurting more and, again, not bringing the version of yourself that you want to bring to your relationships with other people. Right. So being able to take care of yourself, mind, body, and spirit is so important. We have a, uh, a text here from uh, on the right automotive text line from Debbie um, from Monroeville, and she says, Hi, Dr. Conti. My name is Debbie. I suffer from degenerative spinal disease. This is very painful. 
I have had this condition for 12 years. I was not terminated um, from because I was addicted to it, but because I had marijuana in my system. I am now looking for relief from the streets. I've been reduced to getting my medication out on the street. I would appreciate your help. Debbie, thank you so much for your question. Um, I'm so glad we have Dr. Gandhi here tonight to address this and to connect you with. I, I wanna, I do wanna say something first before I even uh, ask you about this. Um, but I see this a lot. So I do a lot of work with Addiction Policy Forum, and we work hard at trying to destigmatize people who are struggling with addiction. We we work hard to destigmatize people who, if they need help, it's there's nothing wrong or bad with them because they need help or it's support in some way. Um, so it's really important to me that I'm, I'm grateful that you reached out, Debbie, because I, it's important that people understand that sometimes if someone's so desperate in so much pain that they might end up going a route that someone might have a lot of judgment for. Oh, I can't believe you're looking on the street. Well, what other option did Debbie feel like she had? Right. You know, and it's easy to sit back and judge and say, well, I would have done this or she could have done this. But in those moments, Debbie, you just honestly didn't know. And so that's why I'm so grateful that Dr. Gandhi's here tonight. So, yeah, what kind of feedback do you have for her? Right. So, you know, first of all, you know, degenerative spinal disease is what we see a lot of our patients bring. Right. And that can be basically chronic debilitating back pain. Um, that is a lot of it stays in the back. A lot of it goes down the legs. Right. And these issues are real um, and, and can be very challenging to live with. Um, you know, we do have therapies uh, that can help with that, obviously. Um, everything from, you know, spinal injections to medications. Um, it's disappointing that, you know, the use of marijuana um, was found to be a negative for you. Um, in our practice, we don't look at marijuana that way. Um, you know, I you know, obviously would never encourage anybody to, to get an illegal substance off the street. But, you know, as we just discussed, you know, the uses of medical marijuana, legal marijuana are, are very positive. Um, and so that can help people, which is one of the reasons we, you know, I encourage people to do that. Um, one of my friends, uh, Dr. Sam Urick, uh, does, uh, he's a primary care physician in Beaver County in Aliquippa, um, and he has um, uh, a business where he uh, provides that uh, for people. His website is mybccannabis.com, um, but if you Google anywhere uh, in your county, there are plenty of providers that provide that service, and so that can work in concert with what we do in our practice. I think for our listeners, one of the messages I would love to reach in people's hearts and have them feel is this, instead of being so quick to judgment, be quick to try to help find solutions. And there's a difference between finding a solution or helping someone find a solution and saying, do exactly what I'm thinking or else, or a lot of times people will offer advice and they, they don't really offer the advice. They're kind of attached to it. So imagine that, you know, I, I hand you this, uh, this drink and I say, here you go, you can have it. And you go to take it and I keep holding on to it. And right. I don't actually give it. I'm like holding on to it. And that's what happens with advice. A lot of times people say, I'm going to give you advice, but you better do it because if you don't do it now you have an emotional reaction to it right right and you know there are very few things that i feel you know as a person uh, is appropriate to do that with right i mean you know it's it doesn't really work that way right advice is is given gently uh with reassurance um you know in in the case of my practice right with the weight of my training and experience behind it but people have to take it, right, if they want, right? And they have to take that advice, internalize it, and say, okay, well, this advice applies to me or it doesn't. I can make suggestions, I can make recommendations, but ultimately, I can't force anybody to do anything, right? right. So, but what I love is, I mean, as a doctor, you can say to somebody, here's my advice, I'm giving you my best, but whether you take it or not, it's up to you. I'm not going to judge you. This is how I spent my career. I say, listen, you're struggling. I see some things. So I often liken the uh, the 
role of a counselor or a mental health specialist to the role that uh, Virgil played with Dante in the Divine Comedy. So in right. the Divine Comedy, uh, the, you know, uh, Dante goes through hell. He goes through purgatory, eventually through heaven with Beatrice. But when he goes through hell and when he goes through purgatory, he goes through with a guide, the Roman poet Virgil. And Virgil doesn't say, hey, Dante, don't go here, don't go there. He says, look, this is what's going on over here. This is what's going over there. And it's up to Virgil to decide whether or not uh, he's, or Dante to decide whether or not he's going to go there. I offer advice like that. Like, hey, listen, this is what I'm seeing. If you want, if you're ready for this, do it. If not, it's no, like, it's okay. Right. And, And that's a lot of it too, right? You know, when we see patients in the office, right, a lot of them have ideas of what's the right way to go. And, and, you know, many doctors look at that and say, well, you know, I'm the professional and, you know, my advice matters more than yours. I, <laughs> I've i found that that is a very ineffective way to practice medicine, right? Um, pe- people will in- inherently not trust you, right? They're going to think you're out for some ulterior motive, that you have some sort of, you know, reasoning that is not necessarily in their best interest to give them that advice. If you approach it with that sort of body language and those sort of words, right? What I've found is you listen to their concerns, right? And you try to give an advice that is couched on what their experience is, right? Yes. And and give them options um, and give them choices and say, look, when you're ready, I think this is the right thing. I think we should get this MRI. I think we should try this injection. I think we should try this other medication that you haven't even considered yet. Um, I know that you're comfortable here, but I think we can do a little bit more of this way. Um, I just want to make you better. I want your life to be better. You let me know when you're ready. Um, you know, I'll see you next month. And and a lot of it's like that. And, and th- those are the conversations I have day in and day out. Yeah. And it's, and for somebody who has as much education and experience, hands-on experience as you, you know, this is why I'm so happy to have you on this show because I, I, I feel I identify with you greatly around this. I will say to people all the time, this is what I'm, what, this is what are the information I'm giving you, whatever you want to do with it. I literally have no judgment. I actually came up with what I called the free pass technique where I would tell people, if you choose not to do this, here's a free pass, come back next week and say, I totally forgot we talked about, and I'm totally fine with that. Um, and I genuinely am because when we make advice about ourselves, we end up making it about our egos and it shouldn't be about our egos. It's about trying to have help. So let's come back to Debbie. You heard some wonderful things from Dr. Gandhi again, to get a hold of him, uh, his, uh, the, the website would be www dot p a s s m d dot com the number there is seven two four six oh three three five six zero offices in Bridgeville, Connorsville, Greensburg, and Washington. Um, and then one thing to add, we are opening an office in Pleasant Hills also uh, in the next couple of months. So we're trying to kind of spread our, you know, practice philosophy, you know, kind of throughout the greater Pittsburgh area. Um, we are a building practice, um, you know, doing our best to, to you know, bring some of these principles uh, to as many people as we can in this area. I love it. There's still time to ask us questions. 866-391-1020. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is Emotional Management on K. DK Radio. This is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is your weekly checkup from the neck up. This is where KDKA helps you help yourself by calling in and talking. The number is 866-391-1020. We are so fortunate tonight to have in the studio Dr. Nishant Gandhi. He is a pain and spine specialist and... uh, we're going to go to the phone line right now. Um, Daniel, you are on KDKA Radio. 
hello. Hi. Um, I just started listening to the program, and you said Dr. Gandhi is an MD. I worked in radiology over 30 years, so, and I've had from injuries 14 surgeries. So, um, what, I'm in Aliquippa, and he said a doctor's name in Aliquippa with the CBDs? Yes, uh, the name? doctor's name is Dr. Sam Urich. Um, his website um, is uh, www.mybccannabis.com. Um, he's a okay. he's a physician, uh, you know, very much in the kind of you know physician that I am, right? A very holistic doctor um, who also does primary care and internal medicine, um, but has found uh, you know that you know CBD and medical marijuana can help patients uh, with pain and a lot of other medical issues. And so he has a very good website set up, uh, mybccannabis.com, that goes through the steps of the process um, for people uh, to get medical marijuana if it's appropriate for them, uh, which does involve um, you know some work on your part to, to register on the state website um, and also to send information to his office um, and then a consultation with him. Um, and his website's very good at describing the steps to the process. Um, and so oftentimes, you know, I see patients as far away as Washington County and Fayette County, um, and they're obviously not going to travel all the way to Aliquippa or Beaver County for this, but I, I do, you know, direct them to his website because it is very good at describing the steps and then encourage them to find a provider of their own closer to home. So I, I would definitely suggest going on his website, uh, you know, to look into it to see if it's an option for you. And you said it's mybccannabis? My, mybccannabis.com. B-boy, C-cap? Uh, yeah, uh, B as in boy, yeah, uh, ccannabis.com. Oh, okay, or bccannabis. Yeah, mybccannabis.com. Okay, and what, are you a neuro guy? Uh, no, so, so my, my training was actually in anesthesiology, um, and then I specialized oh, okay. in, in, in pain management. Oh, great. Okay. Okay, thank you. No thank problem. you so much for your call, Daniel. Thanks for the call. Okay, thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, I mean, look, everyone is, everyone is going through something. Everyone. So you go, I see, in a regular, you go through a grocery store, you're going to see people, you have no idea what they're going through. I mean, they could literally be going through anything. And when you walk through life realizing that, boy, does it change things. It, it changes a lot, right? I mean, you know... We walk, we all do the same things, right? We all, many of us have to go to work or school or whatever the case may be. We all have some responsibilities and then we are in a public space, right? Whether it's the gas station or the grocery store or the movie theater or Walmart, whatever the case may be. And we walk down the aisles and we see people that look different than us. Um, we have no idea what that person's going through, what's going through their life. And so, you know, what I try to do in those situations is, is focus on the similarities, right? And so, you know, uh, what might I have in common with this person? Well, we're both a giant eagle today. We both got loaves of bread in our cart. We're both going to wait uh, in the same aisle, uh, and it's going to take a long time to check out. And then we're going to go to the parking lot, and we're going to put our groceries in our trunk or the back of our car, and then we're going to drive home and unload those groceries in our house. That's one thing we all have in common, right? We're all, you know, uh, we <laughs> all have that. to eat. We all have to eat food. We all have blood going through our veins. You know, the, the similarities in life are what make life worth living. We have to all make an effort as human beings to make those efforts. Otherwise, what's the point of getting up in the morning? Honestly, one of the most uh, effective ways to work through conflict is to start to build on similarities. And I, I, I really... I kind of love the way you said it. Sometimes when people say something, it just hits you at the right time in the right way. But 
as you were saying that, I realized that's something we could say from here on out, which is anytime you encounter somebody and you're having an issue, the immediate commonality you have is you can say, we're both at this same place right now. <laughs> right. We're, we're both sitting in the same room. We're in close proximity. We have something in common just by being here, just by right. existing. Right. Exactly. Right. So somebody gets out and they start to yell at you, hey, we're both in the same parking lot together. <laughs> right. It's okay. Right. I may have taken your parking spot. Right. right. But it, but it's okay. You're going to find another one. It's going to be all right. <laughs> <laughs> there are There are things when we start to look for those commonalities. So one of the things I'm doing in the prison system right now is I'm I'm very passionate about the work I do there and I'm trying to get for the, with my work with the inmates. I do work with officers, I do work with inmates, but one of the things I'm doing with inmates is to say, look, if we can identify only what you could work on differently and really work on that and understand, take full accountability for what you need to work on and when we do that in life, it's not just somebody who's on the inside, somebody's incarcerated. It's all of us in life. When we take full accountability for our perspective, for what we're doing, gosh, does it shift the focus from, look, we have these differences to wait a minute. What's in me that's struggling with accepting your differences? Right. It, it, it completely, you know, changes your outlook on life if you can look at it that way. Right. Um, you know, every interaction between two people, right, is, you know, people bring their own experiences in life to that to that discussion, to that relationship, right? And so, you know, there's conflict everywhere in life, right? Whether, you know, like we said, at the grocery store, in the parking lot, or with your spouse at home, whatever the case may be. And, right, our instinct is to to, to self-protect and, and, and shift blame and to, to look for areas where the other person possibly is at fault. And, and while there may be issues that are at fault with the other person, right, we can't begin to bridge those conflicts without looking at our own role, you know, in that fault, right? And so that internal view, that self-awareness, um, the internalized uh, aspect of all of that is key to developing relationships with people, whether it's for me in the office with a patient or me at home with my wife or me with the guy in the parking lot, Giant Eagle. Well, in terms of emotional management for everyone out there to realize, listen, next time you're struggling, maybe you're angry at something. Look, there's, there's no, it's not a secret. Well, this was just in the news the other day. People are upset. I tried to make that funny. It didn't work out. Right. But but it, people are angry, and they get angry about, um, you know, you're, you have a different perspective from me. I think you should think this way. And they get so angry. And I can tell you that one of the most freeing feelings that I experience daily is I don't need anyone to think or believe what I think or believe. And it's probably one of the most freeing feelings as, as can be. If someone disagrees with me entirely and they say, I don't agree with that at all, I say, okay, I don't, I don't know that this is the right way to be. I just know this is how I am. Right. And it's wait, it, and if somebody brings in a, an opinion or a view that's different than yours, right, it's, you know, or again, the, the human instinct is to fight and say, well, I'm going to have a better view than you or a better opinion than you. And I'm going to convince you that mine is somehow superior to yours. When in reality, that doesn't do anything for humanity. That does nothing. Right. Acceptance of other views, acceptance of other people's thoughts, not judging them for theirs and not looking at them as, oh, you're a bad person because you have these views that are different than mine. Right. That is the real goal. Right. And that takes a lot of work and people don't want to put that work in. The easy way out is to defend and to to come over the top. And the more difficult challenge is to internalize it and say, well, how am I different than this person? And maybe this person's view is OK. So I'm going to give you my um, evolutionary psychological theory on this, which is 
we let's say it's 10,000 BC and the group everyone is needed you wanted to be needed because if you're abandoned then there's a good chance you're not going to survive so you need the group we we are there's good evidence that homo sapiens traveled in in groups whereas neanderthals tended to travel in much either smaller groups or even isolated thinking they could do it on their own and that might very well be a reason why they died out and homo sapiens lived on so here's my theory what if we realized early on that we needed and it's hardwired into us to be needed and so we get attached to our opinions because we think i need you to need believe that i'm right because then i have value and you're not going to get rid of me and so there's some sort of tie-in there emotionally what do you think of that yeah i mean there might be and i think that that's one of the reasons why a lot of people dig their heels in when it comes to their opinions right because if their opinions are valid right that makes them valuable to society in general and maybe just to that person that's across the way from them when in reality, it's truly not that, right? That that may be an evolutionary perspective, but ultimately what we found here in the 21st century is that it's acceptance of other people's opinions probably is what drives that human bond and that connection. I, def- I definitely believe that. Um, and look, I don't know if the appendix is still necessary. Does that is that necessary? Do we need that? Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess a lot of people take them out. You know, I still I still work in New York occasionally, and we certainly take out a lot of uh, people's appendices uh, in, in New York. Okay, so I'm wondering if in a similar way, maybe we really don't need to be as attached to our egos as we think we need. Maybe that's a little excess. We needed it for some part at some point in evolution, but now it's okay to set our egos aside. We're going to keep talking about that. I got to get. We're going to come up against this break, but we're going to keep talking about that. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. Joining me in studio is Dr. Nishant Gar- Gandhi, um, super excited that he's here tonight. 866-391-1020 is a number. This is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti on KDKA Radio. You're listening to Emotional Management with Dr. Christian Conti on KDKA Radio. So happy to have you with us. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is Emotional Management. I'm super grateful for... All the listeners out there, my man Mike, I saw earlier today, who tunes in every week. I definitely appreciate all of the listeners. Um, so thank you so much for being a part of this show. It, it, you know, if you're just tuning in right now, we've had a wonderful uh, show with Dr. Nishant Gandhi, a pain and spine specialist, who has we've talked. We've had a good discussion about emotions, pain. We're going to talk more about it. But one of the things that draws me to him as a friend is his, he's so much more than a doctor. There's so much more to him, which makes him so real, so genuine. Now let's talk about your 168. Tell, tell people about that. I love that. So, you know, one of the phrases I like to tell people um, is, you know, what do you do with your 168, right? There's 168 hours in a week. Um, and, you know, you're spending probably what, seven, eight hours a night sleeping, that's about 49 hours or so. Now you're down to about 118. Maybe you're working 40 to 50 hours. You maybe got 60 or 70 left of, of time that isn't you know dedicated to your profession and isn't dedicated to sleeping. What are you doing with that time, right? What are you doing to enrich your life in a way um, that you can look back at your week and say, okay, this week was a success for me, right? It, it, it doesn't have to be anything grand or anything, you know, majestic, right? It just has to be the small uh, daily life things, right? It can be stuff that you do for your spouse or for your family or friends. It can be stuff that you enjoy, right? It can be watching a sports game with your friends or, you know, cheering, cheering on a team or, you know, uh, engaging in an online community somewhere. There's a lot of things to do. You know, I think 
you know, bringing that attitude to life um, is is something that you can, you know, you can really quantify um, and and make sure you're spending time on things that matter to you and not wasting time scrolling through news feeds and doing stuff, which we all do. I'm guilty of it myself also, right? But but dedicating time to things that matter to you and to the people that are closest to you, I think is very important. So what do you do with your 168? I love, love, love that because look, in when I used to teach existential philosophy and as soon as young people start to study existentialism, their first reaction is, Oh, this is depressing. Cause it's about death. It's not really about death. It's about understanding that we're finite and within our finite space, we have an infinite amount of possibilities. Once you recognize that you're only going to live for so long, you start to embrace, okay, I'm only going to live for so long Then I'm going to throw this into it. So your 168 is just a beautiful question for all of our listeners out there. What are you going to do with your 168? I, I was about a year ago, I was doing work in a maximum security women's prison and I, I had an inmate I was working with and I said to her, when do you get out? She got out in 60. She said, I'm going to get out in 16 months. I said, okay, so let's think about something that you would like to get better at, whatever it is. And she was struggling what she was thinking about. It. I said, okay, now I'm going to give you a moment to think about it. You, you, but here's what I want you to think about. Let's say you spend five minutes a day on it. Five minutes a day. That's all right. I'm asking. After 16 months, how much time will you have put in? And without looking at math specifically, she just looked and said, oh my gosh, that'd be amazing. And I said, the choice is yours. You're going to have those five minutes every day. Right. That That's all it is, right? And I, I like, I choose a week, right? Because, you know, everybody can have a bad minute or a bad hour or a bad day, right? But you still have, you know, you have a bad day. You have six more days to do something, right? You know, yeah. maybe one day, you know, you got into a car accident. All this stuff has gone wrong. You know, you came home, your kid's sick. Fine. That day's shot. You got six more, right? You got other days to make up for some of that, right? A week is short enough time to affect some amount of change, but not long enough that, you know, you're, you're putting it off. It, it, it encourages, you know, immediacy and mindfulness without, you know, giving into procrastination, saying, okay, I'm going to make a change in a week. So that means a couple days this week, I'm going to try this, whether it's, you know, eating a salad today or going downstairs and working on that elliptical that's been down there for two months, yeah. whatever the case may be, which is true <laughs> in my house, by the way, um, you know, whatever that case may be, right? It gives you that opportunity to say, okay, well, last week I went down a couple times. I, I worked out or I ate that salad. I didn't eat, I didn't eat Burger King for, for, for dinner last night. Right. So that, that, that's what I believe. I think the week is a good amount to look at that. So, uh, I love this because, um, my wife told me I just, when I just finished my, uh, book and I spent months, way too many months typing uh, and not exercising like I'm used to doing. And I said, I really don't feel like I'm ever going to get back to that, like full strength type stuff I had. I, you know, last year was, I was at the strongest I'd ever been. I was doing 125 pound dumbbells for incline presses, doing sets of 10, feeling really strong. So I said to the, so she kept saying to me, listen, just give yourself some time. You're going to get it back. You're going to get it back. I kept saying, it just doesn't feel that way. Right. So I've been doing absolutely perfect form, just trying to avoid any kind of injuries. And, uh, the other day I was back up to 120 pound dumbbells. And she said, now, listen, I'm making you write this down because the next time you do a project where you're typing for a long period of time, right, exactly. I want you to remember. So I love that you say within that week, look, you, okay, so you might have done this on this day, but you have the rest of the week. And how are you doing? What else are you doing? You have the whole week. That's great. Right. Exactly. And so that's what I've tried to focus on in my life. Look, some weeks I'm better than others. Some weeks I get an F. Right. And, and we're allowed to give ourselves that. Right. Self-forgiveness is part of this also. Right. It, I think it's a good way to look at life too. saying, well, OK, this week wasn't that good. It's OK. I'm going to try and make next week better. Yeah, I really, really love that. I think that places a tremendous amount of importance. I'm, I'm 
I, th- I feel happy that our listeners got a chance to see more of you because that's who they get to see when they come to see you in your practice, they're seeing you. They're not just seeing this, you know, person who's going to say I'm, I'm distant or I'm just telling you what's wrong and that's it. And I'm walking away. You have so much compassion. I think it's a gift. So let's tell people again. Well, first of all, I want to pull out the website is www.passmd.com. His name is Dr. Gandhi, G-A-N-D-H-I. And uh, the number for him is 724-603-3560. So, you know, it, it's, it's been really fortunate to join this practice here in Pennsylvania. Um, you know, we, we have offices here in Pennsylvania and in Maryland. We have um, physicians and nurse practitioners and physician assistants all seeing patients. You know, our, all of our providers kind of try to bring this very similar philosophy to, to patient management. And I think that's what separates us from a lot of other practices that are similar to ours, um, is that we really kind of place the focus on the patient and holistic opportunities, trying to maximize all the various treatments we can do for people. Um, and, and like I said before, you know, really kind of take what the patient gives us and use that as a building block for all of it. Thank you so much for coming on this show. I really appreciate being here, Christian. Thank you. I, you got to come back on. I, I'm, I'm gonna, I want to get a verbal commitment. Ha- happy to come back anytime you'll have me. That's awesome. I, I'm, I just feel really uh, grateful that we got to talk about this. I think that a lot of people are going to benefit from doing this. Is there any other um, thing that you want to get out there b- uh, before we sign out? Right. So, you know, just as far as the practice goes, uh, you know, use the website that uh, Dr. Conti's mentioned, call the phone numbers, um, you know, uh, and uh, make an appointment to see us. Um, and we're happy to see any patients that call. I love it. Thank you so much again. Every week we're here from 8 to 10. This is Emotional Management of Dr. Christian Conti on KDKA Radio. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.